Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Another Friday, another great VW podcast that I have ready for you guys. And this podcast this week is pretty exciting. But before we get into this podcast, I wanted to make sure that you guys know how much I appreciate when you share this podcast. So if you go down the little link where you're uh, listening to this podcast at, copy and paste it and send it out to all your friends and let them know Let's Talk Dubs is your favorite podcast that you listen to, bringing you all the up-to-date, innovative stuff going on with Volkswagens today. And on today's podcast is no different. But before we get into that, make sure you guys go subscribe to VW Trends Magazine, a magazine for the people, by the people. Not the same old stuff. Cool articles, water pumpers, how-tos, lots of good content. New issue just came out a couple weeks ago. So make sure you guys go subscribe at VWTrendsMagazine.com. That's VWTrendsMagazine.com. Also, don't forget to go support our fellows over at Ross Wolf. Supporters of the podcast, go pick out some cool stuff on their website. High-performance aftermarket parts made by enthusiasts for enthusiasts. So make sure you guys go check them out at RossWolf.com. Also, a couple shout-outs for this week. I want to give a shout-out to Max Fischer from Bavaria Dorfen in Deutschland. So appreciate you for supporting the podcast. Sent him out some gear this week. That's right. We've got listeners all around the world. Also, Michael Hartman out of West Virginia, uh, Fairmont, West Virginia. Appreciate you supporting the podcast. So thanks so much for supporting the podcast. Another week down, another week closer to Let's Talk Dubs and the Wagons. One crazy weekend brought to you by Finley Volkswagen. That's going to be going on October 6th and 7th. Go to letstalkdubs.com for more information. Click on the Showtime link. All the room reservation information is there. Go book your rooms. They're almost done with the rooms. So uh, I've had a couple people call. I had to make some phone calls. They opened up the block of rooms again. Make sure you book your rooms now. You do not want to miss this event. So it's going to be the craziest weekend you've ever had in Vegas. Strip, cruise, poker, run, car show, all the good stuff, and your chance to win two thousand dollars in cash money so look forward to seeing you guys october 6th and 7th we got a lot of pre-registration going and it doesn't look like it's slowing down anytime soon so this week's podcast you may be familiar with if you've ever checked out some of the electric stuff that's going on with volkswagens online you may have seen some of the things out there uh the guy we have on the podcast today jehu garcia he's actually the brother of gabriel garcia who does the keys so gabe's vw keys this is his brother, and his brother, Jehu's been doing a lot of big things with electrical conversions on his bus. He A couple years ago, drove his bus to buses by the bridge, all electrical, see what he had to do to get it happening. It, he has the whole build process. He's a big DIYer on YouTube. He's got a big following, huge channel, and lots of cool stuff. He's your guy to go to if you need backup batteries and power sources and things to that extent. Uh, cool guy. We talk about the bus build. We talk about a lot of stuff, talk about electric power vehicles. We talk about so many different things connected to this. So it's a great podcast. I know you guys will enjoy the listen and uh, maybe spark your interest, no pun intended, on doing some electric conversion stuff and just see kind of really the, the spirit of the DIY mentality and where that can take you. So I'm excited to get Jay Who on here. If you guys haven't checked out his YouTube page, go check it out. That's Jay Who Garcia. His website is JAG35. So good dude. VW guy from way back, and uh, he's been on the front edge of doing a lot of the DIY electric conversion. So if you got any interest in that, this is going to be a good podcast that you're going to enjoy listening to. So without any further ado, guys, let's get into it this week. Jehu Garcia, Jag 35, electric 23 window bus on Let's Talk Dubs. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. 
Okay, everybody. So on today's podcast, uh, if you've been on YouTube at all and you're in the bus scene and you're involved in uh, knowing what's going on with a lot of the the bus stuff, the electric car movement, uh, you know, electric car conversions and all that kind of stuff, you would definitely know our next guest. Our next guest is Jehu Garcia. And Jay, uh, Jehu's got a, a website, jag35.com. You may know him because of his uh, escapades in his VW bus. He had a VW bus. He converted, drove it to Octo, or I'm sorry, to Buses by the Bridge a few years ago. And he's got a pretty strong YouTube following. But, of course, like everything with our podcast, he's a hardcore VW guy, and I'm excited to get him on the podcast. So, uh, Jehu, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. So the way we always start the podcast is what's your VW story and how did you get into Volkswagens? Well, okay. My story is, I gotta say when I was about eight years old, I think my brother Gabriel, like Troy, is also very, very well known in the, in the VW scene. If you have, uh, have, uh, a VW, you probably gotten keys from him. Right. Cause he's been doing keys for like 40 years now or something like that. He got into Volkswagens that early, right? Way back in the day. And so I remember, I wasn't really too much into the, the Beatles. He got a, a Beetle that he you know, was using and stuff. But then he got a bus. And that bus was like, whoa, you know. I, for some reason, that was, I'm like, okay, this is a different thing. This is a different car. And I kind of just grew up dreaming about one day owning one, right? Uh, just kind of daydreaming. And then he went through a bunch of them and all that stuff. The, the only thing I remember was that I really, I love the bus. I love the car. I just really didn't like the engine. I just, you know, the whole maintenance and it caught fire a couple of times. Right. And it was always breaking down. That whole thing was always. And so in my little, you know, DIY mind, even way back in the day, I remember thinking like, man, if we could just put a modern engine into these old cars like into a bus it would be the greatest car in the world right and so that was the dream but i never really got into it you know life kind of got in the way and I'm, i got a lot of interest and i went and did stuff it wasn't really until uh i started uh, my own business i used to have a camera business you know jack 35 the 35 comes from the 35 millimeter adapters that we used to make so it was a 35 millimeter little device that we used to make for video cameras uh and so I eventually I didn't have a car because I kind of was tired of driving and stuff. And uh, I got tired of having my employees drive me around like I'm a big shot you know, guy. And, and so I thought I got to buy a car. You know, I was like, this, this is ridiculous. Like, who, who am I? You know? And so then I thought, well, I'm not going to get a, a boring car. You know, what's on the market? What's exciting? And at that time, the Teslas were uh, well, just announced. They weren't really selling yet. And so. I thought, well, I want to buy one of those, and I could afford one of those, but I can't buy them because they're they're at least 18 months away or something before they even start shipping, you know? And so I thought, well, if I can't buy one, I'm going to make one. And so then what I really decided was like, well, if I'm going to make one, you know, uh, I'm going to pick the, the, my favorite car in the world. And so I thought, well, it's a bus. And that's what I did. I just, I told Gabriel, hey, I want to buy a bus. And we were actually looking at a bay window at first, but then uh, he's like, no, 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 you don't need a bay window. You know, you need a split window. Let's, let's look, let's find you one. And we did, we found uh, a, a bay, uh, it was a split window 57. It was, it was a, a panel <laughs> bus 
that we found somewhere up in Oregon or something very far where he had to go and get it and stuff. And then, you know, once I got it, then I thought, well, this is great, but I don't want a panel, you know, I want a, I want a 23 window. And so then the idea then started, like went down the rabbit holes, like, well, if I'm going to, you know, do this thing where I'm going to change it and I'm, it's going to be a, a modified, you know, vehicle, you know, a, re- a resto model, right. Which now it's known. Right. I thought, well, let's make it into a, a 23 window. And at that time, by the way, this is 10 years ago, 10, 11 years ago, it wasn't as popular. You know, now it's like everybody's putting roofs and windows and they're just, but back in the day, it was kind of a crazy idea. I think, you know, I, and the, the idea is not mine. Gabriel actually did that in his original bus. This is way back in the day. Yeah. He actually bought, a, a, you know, he bought a, a roof from my deluxe bus. And then he put, he grafted it. My dad grafted it into his 13 window. And, you know, my dad kind of didn't know how to weld and stuff. And so I thought, man, if my dad can do it, <laughs> I can do it. So I just bought a little welder and then it just went to town. And, you know, I kind of recorded that whole thing. It's on YouTube. The whole, you know, journey of making that bus from a panel into a 23 window. And then at the end of that uh, whole ordeal, then I just threw some batteries in there. And then I put some electric motor and I I was driving the bus like that for a while. So that was the, the first one. You know, that's how I got into that. Yeah. So what's interesting is that, you know, if anybody's watching your YouTube channel, they know that you're a big DIY guy. You like to do everything yourself. And, and that's kind of the resourcefulness that a lot of us in the VW hobby find ourselves in, right? We maybe can't afford something. So we're going to figure out how to do it ourselves. Now, your main channel really started with a lot of the, uh, you know, kind of starting to do it yourself, solar stuff and, 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 and and a lot of, just a lot of DIY projects. What, what is it? Um, what's the first thing you start realizing that you kind of have a knack for this DIY stuff that you're into, that you're able to, to really kind of that, that really you're not scared to just jump into it. (laughs) Yeah. I I think it's a necessity is the mother of all invention, right? So it's like, uh, yeah, like you said, it's, I couldn't afford stuff. I didn't have money. I didn't, we don't grow up and, you know, poor, like we didn't have anything coming up. And so it's, if you want something, you either have to figure out, you know, how to do it some, some yourself and, a version of it, of, you know, and you always end up like doing something. And I started that really young. I mean, I, you know, I had a DIY in mind when I was a kid. I was taking stuff apart, trying to figure out how to work, how to do the thing. My dad was good at fixing TVs and, you know, that's because, again, we couldn't afford them. Right. So he just, you know, people would give him like all broken down stuff and then my dad would fix it up. And then next thing we know, we're like midnight at there and he just gets it working. Oh, we're excited because we got a TV, you know. Yeah. Uh, my dad, I think I got that from my dad. My dad, we grew up in TJ, Tijuana, and uh, we didn't have electricity growing up. This is like the 80s, and we didn't have running water or electricity, yeah. right? Which is weird because it's only like 200 miles from here, but somehow it's like 50 years ago yeah, <laughs> or more than 50 years ago. Yeah. We were living like people were living, you know, at the turn of the century here in, in L.A., you know, but it is just across the border. And so the thing is that my dad had to figure out how to like make his own DIY, his own, you know, like generator. And then we were the only ones in that hill that had electricity and people are like, what the, what's going on there? You know? And so my dad was very, uh, he had a lot of ingenuity. Uh, he's also self-taught the whole thing like that. And so I picked up that up right from him in the early days and it just kind of has carried throughout 
my life. And so that is the reason why everything that I do is basically like, you know, out of a dream. It's like, I can't afford it, but maybe I can come up with some version of that and say, figure it out. And including that, that was the whole thing. And you know, the first uh, job that I had, I had, I was a carpenter for, you know, a decade, 12 years or something like that. And, you know, I was good at it, but that wasn't my passion. It wasn't the thing, you know, I knew that I wasn't gonna, you know, be well off doing a carpentry, you know, they don't, we don't get paid well. We, we my boss didn't want to join the union kind of thing. And so I thought, for 10 years, I'm like, I got to figure out what else to do. And at that time, really, my interests were, uh, you know, films. I wanted to be a filmmaker. I grew up in L.A. And so I wanted to do films and I didn't know how to do it. But, you know, here's my little camera. And so my first business was that is figuring out how to make, you know, video that look like a home movie more like the Hollywood stuff. And it was through a little device that was called a depth of field adapter. And that will give you depth the feel with something that little video cameras lacked. Right. And, you know, I, st- I figure out how to do that. Again, I learned in the internet. Uh, that was a thing that was very useful for me. I jumped in the internet from day one where a lot of my peers have didn't. Right. And so uh, then I learned how to make these little things. And then I share that openly in the internet. Yeah. I, I made these things and just kind of overnight, I was, people were like, I need one. And so there was a little community that, we're all trying to do that. We're trying to make our videos look more like movies, less like home home videos, right? And so right away, you know, within a couple of months, we mounted a little company, Jack 35, and we had employees and we had, uh, you know, we were selling thousands of these little adapters, you know, that we were making for about $30 and then we were selling them for like $300. So there's quite a bit of uh, margins there, you know, and and so that was my introduction into kind of like that was that was where I realized that you could make stuff, not just you know like couple up some crappy looking thing, but you can make legit stuff. You can you can design. I got into designing three D parts, uh, and then ordering parts and coming in and assembling and stuff. And you know, then I became a, a maker. That's what it's known to be: makers, people that can just make stuff. You know, you right. dream it, you draw it, and then you make it happen, kind of thing. And so it's very, very powerful. And so then the rest of your life is kind of that way. You know, you're like, well, if I can't buy the thing, I got to make it. You know, if it, if it needs if it needs to exist, then, you know, it's up to you kind of to make it happen. And so it's a different mindset, right? And so I've always had that. And that's how I approached the, the VW when I first got it. You know, like I wanted an electric car. I couldn't buy it, so I'm going to make it. You know, I wanted a 23 window. I couldn't afford it i'm gonna make one so so that's how i did it so let's get into when you start doing what's do you first start messing with solar stuff and then that evolves you down into the road of electric uh, electric stuff i mean obviously everybody so everybody kind of wants to do that i mean how do you how does it all come together from the electric car to the solar powered stuff to all that stuff or does which one comes first well, no, the, the first thing is the electric car. I want an electric car, and that was the impetus to the whole thing, right? So what I realized when I was in that, at that researching that part of the, of the project, what became very evident was that batteries were really hard to get. Lithium battery was a new thing at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it still is. Uh, and it was almost impossible to buy them. Again, you would have to buy $50,000 worth of batteries in China 
and you would have to wait six months for it to to arrive. And you know, I I didn't have fifty thousand dollars, and I definitely wasn't going to trust some Chinese guy to put them in a boat and send them to me, right? So I thought, well, hell, you know, there's no way that's that's out of my reach. I got to figure another way. And so I what I started doing is looking at what Tesla was doing, and Tesla was using, uh, which I, even at this at this point now it's kind of like accepted, but at that point it was revolutionary. They were using 18650 cells, which are, I don't know if you know, do I have one here? It's like a double A little, right? It's a slightly bigger than a double A. Uh, it's in the middle of a double A and a D battery, right? And they were using thousands of these things to put in, in their cars. And, you know, people were like, what the hell? You're, you're making like a battery out of a tiny little, those batteries were, known they were used primarily in laptops mm -hmm. and so what happened was that uh then they were essentially using laptop batteries to power a, a big car you know and they proved it was a crazy idea and they proved that it could be done and so once they did it i'm like well hell there's a lot of laptops in the u.s i thought i need to figure out how to get my hands on you know all the discarded laptop batteries because i'm pretty sure there's going to be some good cells in there and so that went that went that rabbit hole figuring out balance, and you know that's the the electrification thing of the car of the VW bus. That's the easy part. It's finding a, a cheap source of batteries. You know that was the hard part. People were spending crazy amounts of money that I didn't have, and so that's why I kind of had to DIY and figure out some way. And so that's the reason why I'm into batteries today. You know that that's how it went. The the solar thing came later. The thing you know it was just the battery was nothing was the thing that was hard and I thought that's what I need to center and I need to focus on that and so that's how I yeah I, I remember watching one of your videos where you would buy like pallet loads of laptop batteries used laptop batteries you would bid on pallets of them on eBay and then have them shipped to you they need to go through the laborious process of like cracking them open testing which ones are good which ones are bad and you know it, it's interesting because when I saw you doing that I thought to myself Man, that's pretty surprising. It's a little tiny battery, a little bit bigger than a double A battery, but they're all they're all par I guess they're all they're all sequenced or parallel together. They're all sequenced. Well, they're both. They're in series and then in parallel. So you put you, the parallel will give you the amperage, but the series will give you the voltage. And in order to move a three thousand pound vehicle down the road, you need at least a hundred volts. Uh, and then after that, you need some amperage, right? You need some. You know, at least, uh, I don't know, a couple hundred amp hours worth of batteries. Now, did you find that, like, what? how did you discover that they were using the little batteries? Because that may have been one of their secrets, right? Like, everybody's like, how are they able to get these batteries? Because, you know, I guess when you go to the drawing board, these engineers are thinking, how do we make one big lithium battery that holds this kind of charge and blah, blah, blah. And Tesla was like, let's just take a bunch of little batteries. We'll put them between series and parallel together. And, I mean it's obviously kind of an out of the box thinking technique. How did you discover that? Well, or when did you, when did you kind of cross that bridge and see that that's what they were doing? Or was it just common knowledge in the world of electric cars? It was, well, it was common knowledge definitely in the, uh, you know, in the people that were interested in the cars, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people were like saying like, this is revolutionary because it's an electric car. For some reason we forgot that electric cars were like, there's more electric cars at the turn of the century than there were gas cars. But we forgot because, you know, for 60, 70 years, you know, gas engines kind of ruled the automotive world. 
But the thing is, so this is like in 2009 and 2010, I mean, the electric car was revolutionary. And so one of the things that Tesla was doing, they were you know, openly admitting, they're like, oh, yeah, we're using these new cells, you know, this is lithium cells. This is like revolutionary. This is new. This is the, the, the future, you know, and the 18650s, you know. So it was known out there. If you, if you dug more than just like surface level, you would see that uh, this was the thing that they were promoting as the, the, the clever thing that they were doing, right? So I thought, oh, okay, you know, like, I know those batteries. Those are, those are the cells that are in the, in, in the laptops, you know? So let me go and see if I could do that. And, and the end, it turned out to be too much work and stuff, you know, but it would take a couple of years for us to figure that out. Right. And by that time, you know, more sources of batteries were that were better uh, and easier to take apart and easier to put together kind of thing uh, surface. Uh, very quickly, what ended up happening is that we got our hands on a on an early production version of Teslas. Mm -hmm. The Tesla was making uh, cars for Daimler, and they they were just little smart for two cars. They're tiny little yeah. cars, you know, two person cars. Yeah. So they in before they did batteries for themselves, they got a contract uh, for BMW to make batteries for that little car. And so in 2008, there was like a full fleet of like about 2,000 of those cars. That came out so by by 2011 2012 those cars had served their purpose now the whole fleet was being decommissioned and so someone that we knew got the contract to dismantle that and then we got our hands on about 500 cars worth of batteries that were lightly used essentially right most of these cars have less than 5,000 miles on them so and so there were tesla batteries <laughs> So now talking about that, right? So t does Tesla have like a standard size battery and they put 12 of them in a car or whatever the case is, or do they change the battery size based on yeah. uh, the, the, the configuration of the car? Yeah. Those early batteries were, were different. They were long and uh, they were about 22 cells in parallel and about 15 cells in series. So they were about three kilowatt hour uh, modules, which were good, you know, for about six, seven, eight miles, you know, each one. So then you just pair two of them together and that makes a 30S, which is about 126 uh, volts nominal. And that's enough to, to, you know, make a, you know, a decent sized car, a 3000 pound car, you know, go down the, the road, you know, fast and with enough torque to be able to do it. Right. So, we got a lot of those, you know, and it's crazy because I just went to the Peterson Museum, which they have a giant Tesla exhibition there, yeah. exhibit. Uh, and that pack that we got and we took apart, you know, it's in there. It's it's a part of the history now. It's in the museum. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I thought, look at that. I, st I might still have a, one of those cases and I definitely still have, a, you know, that's still those packs are still driving my bus today. It's crazy, you know. Secondhand batteries. So when ten years you, later, they're still going. So when you're figuring how to power the bus, obviously there's a there's some sort of scale where it's like weight times voltage, and then you get to some point where the more batteries you add, the more weight you add, so the more voltage you need. What what is the bus without the batteries and with the batteries? How much the batteries weigh that are in the bus? The battery that I put on there, eventually I settled in, right? I, I was doing experiments throughout, you know, many years. Yeah. But the one I settled in was for like, I don't know, I want to say 14 modules of those uh, Tesla modules. And then they, so it was about 48 kilowatt hours, something like that. And it was about 600 pounds. 
And that was good for, you know, if you were going slow, like, you know, 55 miles an hour, which by the way, it's, it's buses like going slow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can get about 160 miles. That's the battery pack that I did that video where I went to a buses by the bridge and I charged once on the way there. Mm-hmm. And then I charged once on the way back. That's that battery pack. Right. And so that, yeah, the more battery you start adding, then it becomes really trouble in the buses. The, tr- the buses in particular are really troublesome because they're, you know, they have tiny little wheels, you know, and they have like small, <laughs> you don't have a lot of room. Like I like to lower my buses. You don't have a lot right. of room to have a beefy suspension. And when you're adding all that weight, if you're adding a thousand pounds of batteries into your bus, you know, then there's not much room left to put passengers in it. And so you're riding and then you're, we're putting these tiny little wheels that can barely handle the weight. So there's a lot of issues that come with uh, with making electric, right? But I, I, the happy medium was somewhere around there, about 50 kilowatt hours, about six, 700 pounds of batteries. And then uh, you would be able to get about 100, between 100 and 150 miles of range, right? If you were doing, because the thing is with these motors, they have they have a lot of torque and they go fast. I My bus could probably do 100 miles an hour, yeah. right? Of course, it would feel like I, I was going to, I'm, I'm going to die because it's the most, on you know that that body style does not want to go fast uh and so yeah if i'm doing 80 miles an hour down the freeway yeah i'd probably get about 100 miles but if i'm doing you know 60 miles an hour then i can get about 150 that's where just where it's at now you've had this bus it's been done for how many years in its current state as far as being converted to electric and then the like what's the motor setup in it and how long has it been done so here's what happened. Like when I started looking into converting the car, what people were doing, they were using forklift motors. Forklifts have a DC motor, basically, uh, you know, a motor, it's a series wound DC. It's what it's called. And it's, uh, it's basically it has electromagnets on the outside and then uh, a stator. And then uh, the rotor has another set of magnets. So you connect those in series. And as you put electricity in there, they become, you know, they become uh, magnetic, magnetized. And so right. then you create the magnet with the, its own electricity that you're providing the motor, and then it would spin. But it, the problem with those motors is that they have this commutator, which is this thing that connects the, the rotating part to, this, to the static part. Yeah. And it requires brushes. And so, you know, brushes, everything has brushes. You know, all our little motors, like our early version of a, uh, of our drills, you know, power tools and stuff. Uh, Same brushes our, on a generator. I mean, everything. Yeah. Yeah, genera- yeah generators on the, on the whole science, right? So when you're talking about low power uh, applications, you know, something below a thousand watts or whatever, those brushes are fine. They'll last you forever. They'll, you know, how, how long does the brushes on the generators last? They last many years, right? But as soon as you get to like, you know, 50 kilowatt, uh, you know, 60, 80, 90, 100 kilowatt, then those brushes are no longer able to kind of do their job, uh, uh, you know, in an efficient way. So they get super hot. So you're always having to charge, change them, you know, and these are big, beefy uh, brushes. And then there's a lot of the problems with that, like as they're wearing down, all that dust goes all over the inside of the motor and that's uh, conductive stuff. And so now all of a sudden they start like, you know, kind of shorting out the motors, you know, right. you touch them and then you feel you feel the voltage. And then because you're you have this motor connected to the 
to the transmission and the transmission is grounded to the chassis, all of a sudden it creates all kinds of issues. You know, you're like, you're tingly when you touch the door of your car. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, whoa, what the hell's going on there? You know? So I, you know, when I started doing my research, I was like, well, I don't want that. I don't, you know, that sounds like a lot of trouble. You can get a ton of power. Like you literally could beat any car at a drag race with those. You could develop like quite a bit of power, but they're not very reliable long, long term, right? right? And so I thought I need to see what Tesla's doing. And Tesla were doing this new thing that is called a AC induction motor, which doesn't have any any brushes, right? The 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 rotor, the part that rotates in that motor, it's the it becomes magnetic, but because it, they induce current into it wirelessly so it just you know it creates a, a magnetic field on the outside and then that magnetic field induces and then it has a winding on the inside that gets electrified and then you know that becomes so those uh motors have been used for like over 100 years and they're very reliable they never fail there's motors that are like running continuously for like 100 years and so i thought well that's that's the way to do it you know the the clever part that they had just discovered around that time was the variable frequency drive, which is um, basically the the ability to run those motors at not just at a steady RPM, which is what all these motors a hundred years were doing, right? They were just kind of running at a at a stay at, at a stable RPM, and then they were using a set of clutches and all this other stuff to be able to to move. You know, that's like almost like a right. car. So the motor, where, like, the your motor, gas engine is just idling. Yeah, the motor had one RPM, and then it was just control the massive amount of power through yeah. brakes and stuff like that to throttle it back because Clutches once, and, yeah, once yeah. it hit its static RPM, it wasn't going up or down. It was where it was. Yeah. Nice. So, so that was the clever thing around that time when I was getting into this, they had a, what was called a variable frequency drive. It's just a, it's a big giant set of transistors that can, you know, they can drive the motor at two RPM or at three RPM or at 1,800 RPM, you know, with just like a little potential meter that then you would put into your throttle and then that would become your thing. And so that was revolutionary. You know, that's what Tesla paid billions of dollars to get from a local company here, uh, AC Propulsion, right? And so that was be that was becoming a, a thing that was available because th what they were doing is they were building, you know, like just big, extra large size uh uh, forklifts mm -hmm. that had AC induction motors. And so then we took those big inverters and those motors and then a company here locally, it was like within five miles of here. Really? They were, you know, pioneering that technology. They, they started making high performance electric motors for golf carts, you know, golf carts that would like <laughs> be like <laughs> some like regular cars, you know, right. down the road. Uh, and so then they, they got to the point where they were making the car so the motor system so big that they're like, hey, we can actually put these in regular cars, you know. And so then that's that's what I ended up doing. I used to buy I bought one of their kids. And that is crazy enough. It's still it's in my bus right now. It's almost like very little maintenance. And like back, I said, there's like very little move parts. So with the DIY aspect, right, like what what was the cost to do all that? originally with like using the forklift motors and all that stuff. And then when you finally pointed up to buy one of these, I guess it would be like a brushless motor, the AC inductive motor, is that what they call brushless? It's a brushless motor, but it's not a brushless DC motor. It's a, it's an AC induction motor. Now what's in Tesla's today, mm -hmm. it's more like a brushless DC motor, right? It's a, it's got a little bit different. It's called, a, you know, 
we don't have to go into the weeds there, but but right. it is essentially closer to a brushless steam motor. Uh, back in the day, it was really expensive. I paid five thousand dollars for that system, right? And it was just a motor and the controller, and now, then everything else you have to get. Now, was that the forklift motor, or that was the that was the AC inductive motor? No, that was the AC induction motor. Yeah, I, I skipped the whole DC motor stuff because it wasn't. It just wasn't. I thought it was too much trouble, right? And so, definitely did not want to go that route. And so I just, I just went to that. I paid oh, five thousand dollars for the motor. And five thousand is the motor and the and the regulator, the, essentially like the the ability to the thr throttle the power, right? So yeah. Mm -hmm. Five grand for that motor, which is not a, I mean, not a bad price at all. Figured you buy a VW motor, it's going to cost you, you know, it's going to cost you a good 10 grand for, like, if you're building a, a motor that's going to run with traffic today, reliable, all brand new, everything, it's going to be ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 easy all day long. So it's not a, not a terrible price to pay. And then you've got the batteries. So by the time you were done, finally got it on the road and did all that, what do you, what do you estimate your total cost was? Well, so see, the thing is, you got to think, you got to remember that this is like 10 years ago, right? Sure. So $5,000 was a bit more than than, than motors. Yeah. Uh, I mean, unless you were getting some high performance stuff, right? Uh, the problem was the batteries. <laughs> the batteries, you're talking about twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 worth of batteries. And so, you know, I didn't end up paying that because I really quickly became, uh, you know, kind of the voice for this stuff. And so... As a result of that, I got, you know, sponsored right away, right? Like the, the people who got the Tesla batteries, they're like, hey, you know, like we want to move a bunch of these and you're building a thing and you're experimenting with it. Here, have some. And then, yeah. But it's essentially oh, really? like thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 worth of batteries. Yeah, yeah. So they came I to you. I couldn't afford those batteries. They, they saw what you were doing and thought, hey, let's partner up with this guy. Because you had this, at this whole time, you know, you go from doing the film thing to like, you know, Okay, I'm going to film my own stuff and I'm going to film my DIY stuff and I'm going to make it, you know, watchable cuz I've watched your content and it's really it's watchable content. It's great stuff. Um, you know, I, I can only imagine what it, life would be like as a YouTuber when you watch someone that's got 450,000 views and you're watching a video trying to figure out like what in the world are people watching, you know, cuz that's a whole other mystery we'll discuss it in a little bit with respect to YouTube, but um with with the whole process that you've been kind of doing this trial and error, you've been really there's a community that's been following you and watching you do this along the way. Um, so it, it had to feel pretty good to get that recognition from somebody saying, Hey, this guy's doing some stuff. Let's get him some batteries. And then that was a huge boost to you, right? To, to have you get those batteries and then start to bring some of that to the market, because it seems almost like there's a little bit of gatekeeping at the whole electric, you know, electric conversion solar power stuff like there's only those that 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 do it and they control it and then you know i've watched you yourself do your own uh solar system on your house you did your own tesla wall type thing you did all your own stuff and it seems and i don't know if it's more gatekeeping or people nowadays are just so lazy they don't want to do it you know what i mean but i i look at it and yeah. i think like you know did you find any of that stuff where like with, with getting the Panasonic batteries, right? Was there, was it, were they not sell them to you directly or were they just out of, out of, you know, affordability or, you know, when you started building your own pack, your own battery packs and stuff, uh, what, what, did, yeah, what so did you I, notice in that industry? 
Well, yeah, I actually didn't see any of that to tell you the truth. Like right away, so you know, you said you had uh, Michael Breen in in this uh, right. in the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. He was one of the first ones that I saw him at a BW show, you know, and I had it. I was displaying my batteries, you know. I had bought, I I think I spent eleven thousand dollars for a tiny little battery that I put in in the bus, and I hadn't even charged it. That's how excited I was about this. I'm gonna let's take it to the show. Does it run? Not really, you know. We don't know yet, but let's take it. So we took it to a classic, and I was there, and I was displaying it and stuff. And he comes up, and it's like, hey, this is great. Oh, my God, you know, we're doing something similar like that. We have a company. It's called EV West. And, you know, that's how where I met him, and then that's where he sponsored me because he was the one that got that contract with to dismantle all those 500 Teslas. And so he was the one that sponsored and gave me a bunch of battery to test out and stuff. And, I, you know, we developed a relationship there where – I was going down there, like, you know, just to make content and stuff. Because, yeah, I was, I kind of, that's, that's the thing that I felt like I, you know, kind of excelled at. I could, I could figure out how to make content and stuff. And I like making videos, right? That was my thing. And so that's, that's how that went. But uh, yeah, I kind of don't feel like there's any gatekeeping in, in this industry because he's super open about, the thing right like the the thing that really is really hard is that it was very expensive i mean you were talking about sixty thousand sixty eighty thousand dollars to do a conversion right because he you know i coupled up stuff you know with duct tape and right. and wood and you know all that stuff uh bream is he was more into like no let's do this right let's let's design these parts in 3d cat software and let's manufacture these things and Let's make, you know, make it look pretty, the whole thing. So, you know, by the time, you know, we're living in California. It's the most expensive state in the U.S., second most expensive state in the U.S. And so what happened was that, uh, yeah, it's just, it was kind of, it's only for rich people, to tell you the truth. That is the problem. You know, it's not that, that we are, there's gatekeeping. It's just the cost of it. You know, right. I, I definitely couldn't have afforded to be able to do this unless I kind of, DIY the whole thing, right? And so that's what you have to be. You have to DIY it or you just have to fork up, you know, sixty, eighty thousand dollars. You know, there's another one of these companies, Selectric, that has been doing this the legit way and stuff. And, you know, they go to the shows. They were going to the DBW shows for a while. And people were just <laughs> you know, they were aghast at the fact that they were trying to charge like a hundred and thirty, hundred and fifty thousand dollars for like a, a fully restored bus with all the Tesla batteries and the electric motor, right? And they were right. like, what in the world? Why? You know, they don't realize it. Like, yeah, it's $80,000 worth of electric stuff, yeah. you know? Plus, you know, uh, uh, restoring a bus is not cheap. You're talking about another $80,000, right? It's actually quite inexpensive. They're only asking for 150. And so the, the problem that we're running is that people were having trouble seeing all that work. People think that Oh, you just put a motor, you know, how hard is it to take out a motor and put a motor? Uh, when you're doing that electric, it's like, no, you're engineering a brand new electric car. It usually takes, you know, a team of 300 engineers to do the powertrain on a new thing. Now you're having to do that all yourself. And usually you're not, you know, like a professional engineer. It's quite a bit of uh, uh, time, you know, it's hundreds and hundreds of hours. That's what I ended up doing, putting in that original bus. And I even forget that because it's been so long ago. Right. And so, you know, and I was having fun the entire time, you know, but once you go and look back, you're like, you know, it took me months of like almost every day working, you know, five hours in this thing. It was quite an investment, you know, so it didn't cost me 
so much in money, but it cost me in time, which is money. So it did cost me in money. Now, uh, and so I think that's why it feels like there's gatekeeping. Yeah. You know, and I watched the, you did a series of videos where you started doing some solar for your house. And, um, mm -hmm. I know here we live in Las Vegas, which is like the perfect place for solar power. Right. What, what have yeah. you found with like, with doing the whole electric thing, obviously there's some sort of, uh, you know, I don't know if it's degradation, they call it or half-life or whatever they, they term where over time the duty cycle gets shorter and shorter. I mean, is that something you're dealing with, with like solar panels and the batteries and stuff like that? Or have you found them to be fairly reliable and of decent condition? I mean, what's been, obviously the hope for you in the beginning was like, man, this is going to be great, super cheap to do it. It's going to, you know, not cheap cost, but like once I get it done, I won't be, you know, my power bill is going to be super low and I won't spend money for gas and all this stuff. Have you found that the products available in the market are as advertised reliable or is there a little bit of uh, kind of buyer beware yeah. stuff or what? No, for the most part, you know, I center really on batteries. You know, I did do that solar install, right? But I'm not really a, an expert in, in solar. You know, I, I use some kind of off brand of, you know, kind of a weird panels that they were like flexible and stuff. They were by the time that I got them, they were kind of obsolete. They were out of production kind of thing. So that's all my only uh, knowledge or, or personal experience when, when it comes to solar, right? There's a lot more people that are way more experienced with solar. They can, they can speak better about the, the that, the lifespan of the solar stuff. But I think generally speaking, they last just as they're advertised, you know? Uh, people, you know, they're, they're taking solar panels. I, they're decommissioning solar panels right now that are 20, 25 years old. And they they still work, you know. They're just, you know, the the amount of power they can they they produce is no longer viable, you know, for the amount of space that they take, I think, and that's why they're being taken out. But you know, in the DIY circles, you're still reusing some of this. There's people that are buying secondhand solar panels. That's that's a thing that exists, right? Yeah. When it comes to batteries, batteries are actually way better than people seem to think. There's a lot of misconception uh that surrounds the lithium battery world right we think that because you know this is the battery this is the battery that we live you know we each one of us has lived with this for 10 years mm -hmm. we we have a set of batteries that we live right we have about 10 usually the average about 10 lithium batteries in our life you know and it's you know the the headphones that we have the the, the iphone the our computers are our, our, our ipads and that stuff those are all lithium batteries right and so usually I think in the early days, and even today, I think, you know, the batteries here in our phones only last about four years. And after that, you know, they're kind of trash. They're, they only last about 50% of the time or something like that. And that is true. But we, we think that that is because of the battery, but that's not really the batteries. These same battery, you put this in a car, it will last 10 plus years. The problem with this is that we're trying to cram the smallest, the biggest battery in the smallest amount of space. And we're trying to squeeze every single, uh, you know, ounce of energy out of it, right? Yeah. We're supercharging it to the point where it's getting degraded at the very top. And then we're over discharging it all the way to the bottom at the end of the day, where it's costing more degradation. So that's why they only last about two years, you know, and after that, it's just, you know, it tapers down. But if you stay in the middle, like on the 80% in the middle there, oh my God, you can get, um, you know, a million miles out of these. If you were to make 
you know, take about five, six thousand of these phones and take their battery out and put it in a in a car in a in a bus, you would get <laughs> fifteen years life. You know, you would cycle it almost every day, and and that is what we're realizing with the Teslas because essentially this this battery that's in here, it's one of it's like an eighteen six fifty that's in 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 a Tesla, right? And right. Teslas have seven thousand of them, and so the, it's essentially the same thing. The chemistries have changed a tiny bit throughout the years, but they have increased very little, about 50%, I think, in the last 10 years or something like that. It's, it's not a whole lot. It's like we're still waiting for that next generation of batteries that is supposed to change the world. It's not, it's not here. I don't think uh, – and we're kind of far away. I mean, we hear all these headlines and stuff, but they're all basically trash. There's just a bunch of speculation. Of, you know, it's just a bunch of vapor uh, wear uh, thing that comes up. Batteries are – they are what they are and they're very good it's just how we use them if we abuse them like we are in the iphones yeah they only last about two years but if we use them in a in a different way then they'll last us for 10 years you know there's there's uh the old technology was lithium iron phosphate that's what i started originally 10 years right. ago and now because the lithium cobalt oxide chemistries were so much denser and smaller and lighter right uh then the lithium cobalt oxide, although the lithium iron phosphate kind of went away for a little bit, but now it's there's a resurgence. And the reason is because lithium iron phosphate doesn't use cobalt, which is the, the really problematic element of batteries. That's yeah. the one where like little kids are used, you know, to mine it and stuff. And, and so those batteries don't have that. And so there are now, and the energy density, it's, it's getting quite better in the last few years. They can made quite uh, improvements in that chemistry. And so even Tesla's using them in their lower end cars. They're still not as energy dense as uh, lithium coal oxide, right? But uh, they're good enough for the lower tier cars right. to be able to have it. And those batteries, those batteries will definitely last a million miles. Really? Be yes, because you can literally get 6,000 cycles on those batteries, you know, when you use them full, full, you know, full state of charge, you know, full full like depth cycles if you use them 80 percent, like you can in in the cars most of us drive 40 miles an hour a day right. right so when you get a car that you have 200 miles like they just charge it every day you know just or you know, charge it every time it gets low in my case i charge once every two weeks <laughs> now, how, you know because i don't drive that much now how do they calculate the charge cost like what would it what what does it cost you kilowatt time to charge to charge your bus if it's fully empty and how long does it take? So my battery, uh, well, it's, it's all, there's so many variables, right? Uh, I think the, our electricity here in California is one of the most expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we paid up to 55 cents during the day. Like right now, the, all these lights, that's what it's costing me, right? 55 cents a kilowatt hour. But if you, as soon as it, it gets dark, you know, everybody goes to sleep then they changed the rate and now it's like 17 cents 18 cents a kilowatt hour right so it's less than half and so if you charge the electric cars at night you're paying about about that about 20 cents a kilowatt hour and so my car my bus uh can has a 50 48 kilowatt hour right so 48 mm -hmm. times 20 cents well you're talking about nine dollars and 60 cents to charge it and i get about 150 miles off wow. of it that's uh, uh, now my modern car mm -hmm. has way bigger battery. <laughs> I have a Rivian truck 
and that has about 130 kilowatt hours. And so that one gives me 300 miles with that. And it costs me, times 20, about $26 to charge every night. To go so every 300, 300 miles, miles. costs me. That's, I mean, that's not too bad. Now, now, since you've started getting into this and this has evolved from like a DIY hobby into like a fairly successful YouTube channel, you know what I mean? You're not, you're not a small time mm -hmm. YouTube guy. You've got a good following. You get a lot of, a lot of videos, a lot of followers. And then the, the YouTube channel popularity that evolved into the business of selling the batteries and that type of stuff. How does, how does that transition take place? Yeah. So I, I was having really like a lot of fun making the videos. I really enjoyed it. And I was trying to get into storytelling and you know, the whole thing and really, really enjoy that. The problem was that I wasn't making any money. <laughs> so after a few years of just being broke, you know, uh, well, actually a whole lifetime of being broke. Right. Uh, I thought, well, this is not sustainable. It's not gonna be able to, I'm not gonna be able to keep going. Right. So I, I knew that I, I, I was good at selling stuff because I knew that the early Jack 35, years where i was selling the you know the, the the photography or the videography equipment were very successful i just the only problem there is that i didn't know how to manage a big team of employees you know right. we had like 20 employees and, and i was I'm just a terrible manager and i never hired a manager so so it's that and then the other thing is that i learned during those years is that i w i was in a bubble market and i didn't know what bubble markets were and i didn't know i was in, in one right and so I thought, oh, my God, you know, it's like I'm made, we're making money right now. This is going to keep going on forever. Not knowing that the thing that I was making was the you know, technology advanced so quickly. What's hot right now, it's obsolete tomorrow. Right. And so that's what ended up happening, you know. And so I learned very valuable lessons there in those early years. Uh, and so once I was making the videos and I was enjoying it, but I wasn't making money, I thought, well, I need to really – you know, go back and figure out how to make some money, how to sell a product, because mm -hmm. I know how to, I know how to do that. I, I've done it once before. I know I could do it again. And so that's, that's why I'm decided to then kind of focus, refocus my efforts into, into buying and reselling, uh, you know, discarded, you know, unused or overstock or, you know, obsolete battery, uh, loads that are in the U S you know, and it, it's kind of a, a, a novel cost because, if you if I don't do this, then what ends up happening is these batteries either go to the landfill or they get destroyed before their their usefulness is it's over, right? So it's wasteful. Or they get put in a ship and they get shipped to China. And then China takes them and opens them up and sorts them out, repackages them, reships them right back to us, and we buy them again. Right. So all this wealth is being transferred over to China we're sending them our trash, which is worth trillions of dollars. Yeah. Right. And we're just, they're sending it right back to us. And maybe sometimes many, uh, trips going around, you know? And so it's very, it's, it's, it's terrible. I mean, it's, it's really bad for the planet to do that. Right. Because we're wasting all this fuel. We're wasting all this, making all these carbon emissions, you know, by destroying them early or sending them halfway around the world a couple of times and then doing that. Right. And we're just making them, you know, Richard, well, yeah. we're getting poorer kind of thing. <laughs> so I'm like, we got to stop that, you know, and, and there's so much battery here and there's so much trash and people don't know what to do with it. I know what to do with batteries. And eventually that's what ended up happening. I stopped having to go look for batteries. People would see my videos and go, hey, we have a warehouse full of batteries. You want them? And then I would go and look at them and be like, yes, I'll buy the whole truckload, you know, the whole warehouse. 
and then I would find <clears throat> applications for those batteries. Now, who's the typical customer that you sell to? Like, who's your who's your typical demographic that you sell to through your website? Because I see you have like power walls and a bunch of different battery configurations. Is it a lot of DIYers that you sell to on the on the battery stuff? Yeah, mostly. Oh, oh. So the thing is, like, I learn having learned my lesson <laughs> from the uh, from the first business. Then I realized that I wanted to stay lean. Right. I don't want to have a hundred people employed, you know, and I don't want to have a giant corporation that takes a long time to get going and it takes a long time to stop kind of thing. Right. I want to be light and efficient. And so that is none of the products that I sell are finished products. They're not, you know, they're not like you plug and play kind of thing. Sure. They're all require some kind of, you know, work to be done by the end user, by the, by the customer. And so essentially I'm catering to, to the DIY market, which is what I am. You know, I'm, I'm a DIY and I'm like, well, I can't be the only one. There's a lot of people, you know, back in the day, we, we used to make a lot of things here in the United States, right? This is in the yeah. fifties, you know, when, when the world effort kind of started, we, we were good at making stuff, but you know, through the years and through the decades, we've been sending all this stuff out of this country and sending it to other parts of the world. So we become really bad at making things. We don't know how to do anything. And so, but there's a resurgence of that, you know, I think I'm part of that community that, that is becoming a thing. It's called makers, you know, the maker fairs and maker spaces and all sorts of stuff. And so I, I really enjoy teaching people, empowering people into letting them know that they can make stuff, you know, they need something you can learn. I actually don't have uh, any certification. I'm not classically trained or educated in any form. I'm, uh, the the most I am on my uh, now a retired uh, uh, carpenter, <laughs> right, right. Right. So I have no business doing a car, you know. And by the way, there's a lot of naysayers when I was doing this. I mean, people were like, "You can't build a car," you know. Like, you need to go to school and you need to learn engineering. You need to do all this stuff, you know. It's like all the hurdles that people put themselves right. And I'm like, I know. I I I choose to ignore all that, and I'm just gonna go for it and try it. And then here I'm on the other side, you know, I'm driving my bus for 10 years, but almost every step of the way, you know, that I'm doing it, there's people who are like, ah, oh, you're, you're not doing it correctly. You know, you're, how are you starting a business without first going into business class and getting the loan and all this other stuff? I'm like, watch me, yeah, <laughs> hold my beer. I, well, I I'll think that's one of the things that spurred me to, to, to reach out to you again. We've been trying to connect for a little bit. I, and I was, I was watching a thread where someone started, where you posted where someone started, you know, more naysayers. And I, I thought, you know, especially yeah. in the world that you're in, right? Electronics, uh, you know, DIY electronics. A lot of those guys are like retired engineers, people like that. And, and they've been conditioned to real, to, to believe that you, you can only get an education through school and it has to be taught through yeah. this education service versus like, you look at every doctor, there's there's no doctor comes out of medical school and goes right to, to, to performing. He goes into residency for years, so he gets the hands-on experience that you can't get in the books, right? So you've you've learned a lot of this through trial and error, and I think that's, you know, that's huge. And, and when you do things like this, you know, this is the American resurgence, right? Like people that are just determined to do things on their own, things that may seem unaffordable, and do them by themselves. Now, one question I had about your website, do you sell the components? Like if somebody wanted to do their own EV conversion, 
would you sell enough stuff where they could do it or you could help them get some of the expensive stuff done for a lot cheaper or uh, I mean is that is that something you've ever looked at I mean I know you have a relationship with EV West but you know and, and yeah. they sell all new components but what if a guy, what if there's another Jehu yeah. out there right that's just trying to do what you did There is actually there's quite of them so you know getting the 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 batteries that need to go into an EV they're top of the line <laughs> right right they're like the best batteries that we can get you know those batteries once they come off of those cars now they're useful for every other application out there but only premium batteries you know the most energy dense the most you know the newest the the lightest the ones that can put out the most power, those are the only ones that can go in a car, right? Anything else doesn't make sense because then, again, the weight issue, the, mm -hmm. the size issue, you know, you have a, a lot of constraints. Um, and so for that reason, I haven't traditionally come up with a lot of those batteries. So what I concentrated a lot more was in storage. Storage is another thing that is huge. Uh, there's a whole revolution happening right now. You know, like... Just this week, you know, a whole town in in Hawaii has completely burned to the ground. Yeah. You know, it's something like unprecedented in the history. Over a thousand people are gonna come out dead at this thing. There's a thousand people missing. And it all started because we have overhead cables, right? Mm -hmm. Um, which is crazy because this is how this is like a hundred year old technology. Like this is how people used to transfer electricity a hundred years ago, right? And now it's becoming apparent that it's very dangerous <laughs> to be using outdated technology like overhead cables. You could bury those. And even better than that, you don't even have to have cables. You can have decentralized uh, grids, which is basically what you do is you put a battery in your garage, you put solar panels on your roof, you charge them during the day, and then you're using them night, you know, or during the day, whatever. Like there's plenty of power. You know, more than our needs are just in the, the, the size of your, your typical roof. And so what we need to be doing is doing that. We need to, we need to instead of having this centralized grid system that is failing, because right. we absolutely in the United States don't want to invest money in infrastructure, right? Uh, now, I, what we need to be doing is just becoming, you know, microgrids, putting these little batteries in these little sort of... So that's what I've been kind of centering, right? Because these batteries that I'm getting are kind of, you know, they're overstock, they're secondhand. And so they're perfect for that. They're not quite at the level that you would need to do the electric cars, but they're they're more suited for that. And so that's what we're, we have been doing. Uh, and so that's the reason why I don't have a full kit in our website where you can just convert the car, which is quite problematic at times right I, I just came off of being on a tv show with robert downey jr where i show them i converted a car for them yeah and i'm like and i have no product to push all these people you know i'm, I'm gonna get all these waves of emails people hey i in fact i am starting to get them uh i have this car you know can i convert it what do you recommend you know and i usually be like well, go to talk to ev west they have the motors they have the batteries they have all the things and they are also doing second half batteries um i think they're starting to shift a little bit more, but for the last five, six years, the predominantly with the batteries that we've been using for uh, electrification or conversions is the Tesla Model S batteries because they're the best. They're like, you know, they're they're, they're standardized already. Everybody knows how to do it. Yeah. They're and so we, that that's how we, yeah. yeah, and they're easy to manage. You know, the other cars, you know, I do have some batteries that are here that I'm starting to get, 
but usually they're like from hybrids and stuff, and those don't have the same energy density as you would need because uh, those operate slightly different, and so they, they need more power than energy. So their 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 energies their power cells more so than energy cells. So that means they could put a lot of power uh, at one you know at a given time one shot but they can't hold a lot of energy yeah now right? and so those are the ones that are are coming to me right now but again they're not quite the best ones for to make electric cars now for those that might not know talk to me a little bit about the tv show that that you were just in with robert downey jr yeah robert downey jr after uh coming off of that super successful role where he plays uh uh iron man <laughs> Iron Man, right? Uh, uh, he basically starts thinking about this that, uh, you know, because he's got this collection of cars, like everyone successful in California or in the United States. You know, you start amassing cars, right? I mean, we're, it's a hugely, we're a car culture here, right? Um, but then he starts having second thoughts. He's going like, how am I, you know, doing this with, you know, this polluting, this giant cars, Gus Gusslers, you know? So he goes, is there a way that we can make them better, you know, modernize them and stuff? And so he starts thinking about that and he decides to make a TV show out of it. And so he wants to convert all, like some of these existing cars. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, um, among those cars, he decides that he has always wanted to do the iconic VW bus. And, you know, and he thought, well, I don't have one but I want to buy one and I want to convert it. And then, you know, and so he thought, and so, you know, he's, he doesn't know how to do this. And he's the team of people that he hired, they don't know how to do it, but they're like, well, we can put you in contact with someone that knows how to do it. So these people, as they're doing their research, you know, they come across my videos on YouTube and they go, Oh, well, here's the guy that's done it already. You know, he knows how to do it. Let's come. And so they contacted me and, you know, they got me on board to go over there and help them do a conversion. So we converted a, uh, a Brazilian, I think it was like a, what, an 82, a 72, it's, I don't know, some, I I don't actually remember the year, because right. those are kind of a they're weird. Hard, they're hard right? to tell, yeah. <laughs> they're hard to tell, yeah. It's a hodgepodge of all kinds of, the uh, you know, designs. And so they got this Brazilian bus, and I went to New York, and I converted that bus for them. And then uh, they completely ended up taking the whole thing apart and redoing it because it was in such terrible shape like they literally replaced every single panel in that really? bus so what started as a brazilian ended up kind of like more like a well not a i mean the specs turned out to be more like a german one because they use all the panels from uh funky green metal right from right. gerson and stuff right and so you know i if the specs change a little bit from the brazilian to this one it ended up being more it's, it's probably going to be hard to tell that it's a brazilian now so it's the colombian all with new metal it's the colombian brazilian the colombian yeah. special Got yeah it. i like <laughs> essentially it. that's what it ended so up. so what what's what the, the what's the name of the tv show the name of the tv show is called uh downey's dream cars and it's on hbo there's a whole season there's six episodes there's six cars and uh, there's another individual here that was used to – was in my podcast in the early days, uh, uh, Rich Rebuilds. He's really, really famous. He does uh, – he fixes, you know, Teslas and stuff. Yeah, he's like he in Connecticut of... somewhere, and he bought – I think I watched a few of his videos. He's he's, he's an African-American guy, and he's in the Northeast, 
and bought like a total Tesla and had all kinds of issues just trying to trying to hack the car and kind of rebuild it for himself. So yeah, yeah, and he's also kind of doing that proponent like uh, right to repair thing, right? Where he's trying to fix it, but Tesla's kind of doesn't like it, doesn't want to give in and let us, you know, kind of fix the thing. And so then he kind of went into this journey of just showing how ridiculous Tesla is being uh, and uh, making it hard for customers to actually build or fix their own Teslas, right? And so after that, he became a troll. He actually, the, the latest project that he did, he he put a an LS motor in a Tesla. <laughs> so he, they ripped the batteries and they ripped the electric motors and they put an LS like five or LS whatever motor and he put on that thing. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. No, but you know, there's there's so many levels of this. I mean, I know of. I mean, talking about celebrities and people that have. I mean, right? They they say the EV one is the most popular, right? The General Motors General Motors car. But even before then, in the Porsche Museum, they've got the Porsche the, the Porsche electric uh, horseless carriage that was there, and that thing won the first race of electric cars all through Germany. If you've been if you've been uh, to the Porsche Museum and seen and seen that, that was in the 1890s, and um, you know there's, yeah. you know they had a Corvair, they had an electric Corvair. General Motors did back in the day. So, with the experimenting with electrical has been around for quite a while, trying to get this the, this thing unlocked. And it, it seems like you know with with the real with Tesla really turning the corner with this thing, it's really opened up a lot of people's eyes to. The possibility of that and and the great thing for us is a lot of the Porsches, Corvairs that I like, VWs. You know, they're 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 all probably the easiest cars to convert. But some of the other yeah. guys that have electric cars, I know Neil Young. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think Neil Young has like a like an electric Lincoln or something like that that I was reading about years back. And I mean that's that's a monster of a car already. So I can only imagine what it takes to to push that thing, but. It's funny because old technology is new again, you know, with the electric and and, yeah. and what it was was harnessing the the power, right? Being able to get that that cyclical power that's that's going to last you a while. <clears throat> now, touching back on the batteries and the things that you sell, right? For backup batteries and and those types of applications, you did it you did a power wall in your house and you did some solar stuff on there. What here in Las Vegas, I, I, I entertained the cost of doing solar. And it's funny, you know, someone came and, and talked to me and there was like a friend of the family was selling solar. And they were like, yeah, you know, my house is 3000 square feet, single story. And it's perfect exposure, big, big roof with a lot of exposure. They said, yeah, you need 50 panels, but Nevada only allows you to cover 90% of your consumption, which I thought was interesting. And then I remember my neighbor did solar on their house across the way. And I looked at it and I was like, gosh, those panels are not good looking. They don't go with the pink tile roof that they have. And it was really funky looking. And I remember one time the power was yeah. out and I said, well, do you guys have any power? And they were like, well, no, we don't have any power. And I thought that was the weirdest thing, right? Like, how do you have solar on your house? There's a power outage and you're just like the rest of us idiots, right? Like I'm thinking there's gotta be something there. <clears throat> is there, you know, I mean, is there, an issue with the power companies not wanting to let people have their own power at their house where they can generate and use their own. I mean, I know, I know it seems pretty weird over here. Like you can't ever officially get off the grid here in, in Nevada. What's it like in California and what, what are they doing over there with that? 
It's the same thing. So you got to remember, like, these are utilities that should be public, but they're not. Right. And this is the problem that we're running into because they're for profit organizations now. And so that's the reason why they won't maintain their grids. And that's the reason why they're making the whole towns catch on fire and killing a thousand people. But the, the thing that's going to happen is going to be crazy litigation, as it should happen. <laughs> you know, that the, the utility company in, in Hawaii, for example, needs to, you know, foot the bill. Like they need to be sued out of existence because how is it that, you know, they, they will get profits instead of uh, safety, right? And so that's the reason why they won't let you go out of it because they're in the business of making money. So they're not going to let you you know, go completely off grid. You know, how are they going to make money off of you if you're not consuming electricity? So they will, you know, they will uh, lobby to put laws to, you know, to, to put turtles. You know, um, it's it's crazy that, like the, like you said, the, the most common solar system, it's, a, it's called grid tie, mm-hmm. right? And when it's grid tie, it essentially, the only thing it does is, like, it, when the power is out, when the sun is out, you're generating power. But it's usually when you're not at home, when you're at work. And so what's happening is that it's all that energy is going to the grid. And the, the uh, so the utility companies are like, well, we don't need all that. Okay, we'll give you two cents per kilowatt. But then in the afternoon when the sun goes down, then you come home and you turn your AC and your TV and your – you know, uh, all kinds of things. You plug in your electric car that you just bought. You know, all of a sudden you're consuming crazy amounts of energy. And they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, now it's like 22 cents a kilowatt hour. Right? So they're not being fair. And, you know, I guess it kind of makes sense. Like, they're in the business of selling you power, not buying power. For right. And so they're not going to want to pay you, you know, the same amount. And so for a while, I think they were being forced to do that. But I think that all that stuff's going away. And, you know, in California, we got it's such a crazy thing, you know, with the politicians not really being in tune and what's really happening. In California, we have so much solar <laughs> that instead of being helpful, it is becoming it's, it's a problem. So really? if you have solar in California, yeah, because what happens is that everyone during the hours of like 10 or 9 to 5, you're at work. And you're usually working in a building with a bunch of other people, right? So there's 100 or 200, 500 people. And they're using these massive AC units and these like crazy lighting systems that are very efficient, more efficient than if all those people were at home. And so they're not using as much energy as you're going to use in the evening when you go back home and everybody turns their own lights in their own. And so what's happening is that there's a surplus of energy. The state of California doesn't know what to do with the surplus energy during the sun hours. You know, we're paying other uh, states <laughs> to take energy <laughs> during wow. the sun hours. There's so much of it. It's costing us money. I mean, I don't know if it's a like regular thing, but it's been there's been times where we paid a ton of money to, to other neighboring states to take that energy because we don't know what to do with it. You know, the way the grids work is if, if you're producing this energy, you got to use it. It's not like you can store you can store it. But they because it's costly, batteries are costly. They don't want to invest in infrastructure, and they don't want to invest in these new battery systems that Tesla's putting out. The mega packs and all stuff—they're—they're they're like, oh, they're like, it's going to be a billion dollars to put grid, you know, level batteries. They're like, oh, how about we just pay ourselves some, you know, dividends or pay ourselves some bonuses at the end of the year instead of buying those, you know, billion-dollar batteries? 
uh, and so that's that's what's happening. That's why the, you're you're part of the problem if you have uh, uh, solar panels. But the crazy thing here in California is that they're mandating all new construction to have solar panels instead of mandating batteries, which is the solution. Because imagine this: if you put a, a battery bank in your in your house, so during the day when you're not there, you're working, your panels are producing energy. But instead of you using it, it's just charging your batteries. Your batteries will take all that power. And then when you get home at night, you know, you just the, the sun's down. It's no longer principal. But you have that energy stored in your batteries. Now you're using the battery, the, the energy from there. You're not having to depend on the failing grids <laughs> that right, we have here in California right. and then a lot of other states. To Because then that's what happens, right? It's like the grids are during the sun hours, they're up to like they're stressed to the max. There's too much power. But then as soon as the sun goes down, then it's the opposite direction. Now the loads are crazy. They don't know how to how to generate that much electricity, you know, because now they have to call neighboring states and be like, hey, can you turn on this, you know, like standby? Uh, that's uh, Having uh, traditional power plants and standby costs crazy amounts of money. And by the way, you can't just like, oh, we need extra electricity right now. You know, let me call this uh, – you know, extra plants that are on standby. Hey, kick out, you know, kick them on. You know, it usually takes like 14 hours to get those things running. So that means they've been running all day, just you know, just in case they're needed. Right. And usually they're they're uh, in a multi-year contracts. <laughs> so we're paying for those things whether they need we need them or not. You know, so it's crazy inefficient to have this system running the way that it is, where Batteries are the the, the uh, solution here. Like you literally just put a battery, put it in your house. You don't even have to put a giant battery to support like an entire neighborhood. You could just put one little battery in every garage, right? It could be you know uh, distributed like that. There's no reason to have the centralized thing where you have all these cables that run you know for hundreds of miles everywhere and stuff like that's that's the old thing that's the old way of doing things and so what you were saying with respect to the battery because my my thought you know most car guys thought go back to like lead acid battery right you go you only cycle it so many times yeah. and it's just done with with the technology with the with the lithium uh batteries is completely different so with the amount of current yeah. that's drawn on a house it's not the same as what's the demand put by an electric motor to move three thousand pounds really fast at any variable speed at any split second so because the current draw is long and steady it makes the the, the cycling on the batteries a little more tempered and it's not you're not like killing the batteries by doing that so essentially would you say yeah. that if you had a battery pack on your on your house or let's say a guy want to take his shop right Let's talk about what the guys want to do, mm -hmm. right? You want to take your shop you're going to build and make it completely off grid, especially a shop that's going to run a compressor, things like that. You that It's feasible that you could do that and run the whole thing off of a battery and be good to go, yeah. especially in a, in a sunny climate like here in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you would need like as little as 20 kilowatt hour battery. Now, right. I just did a video where I showed where how do you do one like a DIY one out of like some batteries that we got, and they look really pretty. And I put them in a the thing, and I think that's like three thousand dollars worth of battery or something like that. And it's twenty kilowatt hours. That that will give you more about twenty kilowatts. Well, actually, it will give you more than that. It'll give you like seven. Uh, it will give you about uh, almost a hundred kilowatt hours. Uh, power which is crazy if you you know that's enough to like run like a factory right 
no, nobody needs that much in, in the shop. I mean, what do you, what do you got? Like if you got a compressor, you got a car lift, you got a thing like 20 kilowatt hours. That's about, I mean, that's the max that you would ever need. Oh, uh, by the way, what's 20, let's do the math here. Like most uh, houses have a, the modern ones have a 200 amp uh, service panel, right? So that's times two, uh, what is it? 220. Yeah, so the 200 panel that is capable of, of giving you about 44 kilowatts. Wow. Right. So you usually we're never using everything. Right. right? I mean, how how often are you pulling 200 amps? Right. Uh, that's very rare, you know. Uh, so half of that 20 kilowatts, you know, uh, about three thousand dollars worth of battery DIY battery, will give you will get will be able to give you more than the 44 kilowatt that. Uh, the your the grid can give you and now are you allowed to put backup batteries in your house in california well there's a lot of red tape that is uh that there's issues there right again because the 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 uh the utilities are lobbying hard to prevent people from going off the grid um yeah so you can do you know everything that's grid tied has to be permitted it has to be you know has to past inspection, the whole thing, right? And so you could do that. And you there are you're allowed to put batteries at home, you know, that are grid tied and so stuff. Now the way that a lot of us DIY people are getting away or, or you know getting away from or getting through that hurdle is where anything that's off grid, you could do it. You basically there's no re, there's no difference than you putting a car battery and an inverter and connecting your fridge there. You know, you can install it in the wall. You can run your existing wires. As long as you disconnect from the grid uh, power lines, then you're you're good to go, right? And there are a lot of products that allow you to do that. There's these things that are called transfer switches, mm -hmm. and they're made for backup. So when your power goes out, you know, people have these giant generators, and so you need a switch to disconnect your home wiring from the grid. And so now you have a plug in there that you plug your your, your uh, generator. <clears throat> yeah, your generator. In this case, you don't need to plug a generator. You could just have a battery and an inverter. And then you can plug it in there and it works the same way. Except it's that less noisy and less pollution, you know, and you can get away a lot of cycles, less maintenance. You don't have to go and check your batteries. Lithium batteries don't need to be like watered and check the level, like none of that stuff. They kind of like you install them you leave them, you never look at them again. Yeah, yeah I, I thought to myself is that we were just having some work done on our pool at our house, and I thought, how come all of my pool equipment isn't solar-powered? Like, it would, it would seem like if a guy made a solar-powered pool equipment, like a, a, a kit, that would be hugely successful, right? Because no, first, no one's ever looking at their pool equipment. It's uglier than, uglier than sin, and it's usually always out in direct <laughs> sunlight. So you could actually build some look like a, some sort of shade structure that would go over the pool equipment that would actually charge batteries that would power the pool equipment, you know? So yeah, there's, I mean, there's a, there's a yeah, lot of, I think it's, I think the reason is because it's quite, uh, energy hungry, right? So you think about your, your pool pump, it probably pools like what, 500 Watts or 800 Watts, I think. And you want to run that for how many hours a day, right? You're, you're well, it depends on who you're asking. If, generally... you're, if you're asking me, it's four hours. My pool guy wants it to run eight hours, but I cut it down to four because uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, Daddy Warbucks over here. But now they've got variable, yeah. they've got variable speed pumps. So there's yeah, they're definitely getting more efficient ones. Yeah. So 
Um, but even that, so let's say you get one that uses 500 watts, right? And you're going to run it for four hours, let's say, right? So you're talking about two kilowatt hours. Yeah, that's uh, that's about $300 battery, $200 battery. And that would I, run... I usually sell batteries for, and for that... about $100 a kilowatt hour. And that would run it for how long? Indefinitely? About four. No, for four hours. How many panels would it take? How many panels would it take to charge it? Well, you typically in, so the, you know, in the summer you have long days with like mm -hmm. nine hours of sun out. Right. But in the winter you have like maybe two hours or something, you know, and it's cloudy or whatever. So I think in the average, the national average is about five and a half hours. So you would have to be able to charge that 2000 or two kilowatt hour battery in roughly about five and a half hours. Right. So you basically divide 2000 times 5.5 and you essentially need about 400 watts of solars. So about, you know, one big solar panel or four of the little 12 volt solar panels. And yeah, that, about $400. And that if you're running your equipment four hours a day on your pool system, you could, yeah. all, you could almost, you could realistically have a self-sufficient pool pump system that doesn't draw anything yeah. from your house. It's just incredible yeah. that there's, not more of that that's allowed and it seems like that the that the electrical company just still wants to get their piece no matter what you know what i mean so ha have you seen yeah. uh, since you've kind of gone down this road have you ended up kind of taking a political position on this or having to get involved to some degree especially in your local community and stuff no i tend to not rely on on you know like uh systems <laughs> right i'm diy to the core <laughs> so yeah i trust no government i trust no you know the, the governments are failing us look at what happened in lahaina i mean yeah. you know, just a thousand people died not a single siren went on there you know they when they're looking at their documents now they're looking at like oh what's the threat of fire and it's like low you know it's like it's not even worth to fire up the sirens in their eyes yeah. You know, except, you know, now there's a thousand people dead probably, you know, um, and, and, and over a thousand buildings burned. It's just like, yeah, I have no faith in these systems, you know. I mean, you know, to a certain extent, right? But I, I'm like, don't wait. Don't wait for the grids to get better. Like, take take matters into your own hands. Like, right. the, you know, take, yeah, energy is very important. I don't know if you know that, like, I think most people don't realize it. We're so dependent on electricity. Like we know the second it goes out, we would know. I would know the second, like uh, probably half a second after the power went out here, my lights would go off and my internet would stop working. Right. And the AC would stop working. You know, it's like we're highly, highly, more than ever in history, we're depending on, a, on electricity, right? And we don't have a backup. Like we're 100% relying that the, whatever you know the the grid is gonna give us electricity and a lot of the times it's worked you know it's worked for 100 years it's been pretty stable but we're starting to see that all the systems are breaking down especially places here like in california you know like here pg and e got sued right by the by that little town that they burned to the ground and they killed i don't know 18 people or something like that i think yeah. uh they have to settle for three billion dollars right lawsuit and so you know, uh, that was PG&E. That's in Northern California. But here in Southern California, it's uh, Southern California Edison. Now, the Edison is going like, whoa, what do you mean we're liable for the, the, the debts that we cost? 
So now what's happening here, like if you're anywhere near the hills, if it gets a little windy, they're turning the power out. <laughs> All of a sudden, they're, the, this year we've had twice where there's more than 12 hours where we, we don't have power. You know, That's and insane. a lot of, I think a lot of those times is they just turn it off. They're so afraid that they're going to cause the next major fire that they're just like, turn it off, turn it off. I know these people are paying us to provide service, but we can't safely provide it. So let's just turn it off, which is really kind of weird, right? I mean, we're paying so much for this service and like, we can't, we can't rely on it. Like what the hell's going on? So we got to take this, uh, our energy use into our own hands. You, Here's what's going to happen. If we don't put our own battery in our garages, pretty soon the utility companies are going to put their own battery in your garage. And now they're going to be benefiting from that. Right. And they're going to make you pay for it. Right. They're going to be like, oh, guess what? We just passed the law. Now it's, every home is required to install this system, you know, as a, as a result, you know. And it's going to be their battery. <laughs> and they're going to use it. You know, they're going to they're gonna benefit from it, not you. Yeah. You're still gonna have to pay all the money and stuff, right? So you gotta you gotta do it before they do it. Man, that's I mean, it, it's unbelievable. There's there's so many layers to this, and I think I think what's neat is the DIY kind of uh, against the system disposition that you have, repurposing stuff that would normally get shipped across overseas and then resold to us. I think it's huge what you're doing. I think it's awesome that you were able to kind of build a career out of a passion that you had to create, whether it's you're making things or creating content or both, which just happened to be both. And I think that's been, you know, it, it's interesting how it, how it all kind of evolved from just a guy wanting to do some stuff. And now you're yeah. on the forefront of doing things in a market where there's not a lot of people repurposing batteries that people don't, most people probably don't even know unless they start getting past the, the first layer most people don't even know how inexpensive it could be to start creating a backup battery system for your house to maybe taking your pool equipment and taking that off the grid completely. Cause there's what's the, there's no reason with that. You just end the wires there at the terminal cap it there and create your own pool pump system, you know, to where you're not paying that because that's always running at the hardest part of the day, you know, where, where, you know, it, it's yeah. just, it, it, it's crazy how many layers this can go to. And especially with, you know, the standpoint of, automobiles and powering automobiles I, you know my, one of my thoughts because i know you've, you've got that rivian i've watched your video with the rivian my personal assumption is with the cars being so technologically advanced there's a lot of knuckleheads that are getting these teslas and you know not paying attention while they're driving because the car's auto driving and all these types of things my big concern is that the weight of so many of these cars because they're so substantially heavier than the average vehicle um, my concern is that when you do see accidents, they're going to be a lot more, a, a lot more impact in those things because of, of the vehicle weight. Has there been any, anything that yeah. you've seen about that stuff that, that, that's been noticed? Cause I mean, you're in the community, right. Of, of electric cars and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Has there been any uptick in, in those types of things? Well, th there is, I think, I think the Teslas are the safest cars in the world, but they're also kind of not i i think i think it cancels each other out right they have the most amazing uh traction control systems like they're literally like it's faster than a gas car would ever be because there's no lag in right. the system right but the problem is that they have so much power 
And so, you know, you could be an idiot. And I mean, I sometimes drive like an idiot. I have 850 horsepower in my Rivian, right? Nobody, <laughs> it should probably be legal to have so much power in a legal street car. Right. It's crazy amounts of power, like zero sixty-three seconds. Like who needs that? Nobody needs that, you know? Uh, and so it allows you to be reckless and just punch it and just go fast and try to show off and, you know, stuff. So even though they are the safest cars in the world because of the technology they have in them, they're also probably about average because we're such idiots driving around so fast and, and, you know, yeah, they're heavier. So they don't stop as good. You know what I mean? Like they go fast, they get going really quickly, but then trying to stop them, you know, in my, my Rivian has to have uh, Brembo brakes. Like these are high performance racing quality like brakes right like giant 14 inch you know rotors with calipers and stuff and and this is just a backup because they really use the four motors that 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 they have to stop so i mean it's got crazy amounts of braking power and the reason is because it's like seven thousand pounds that's a really really heavy truck you know it comes like there's some there's some pros to that right like when you're towing a thing you can't even feel whatever you're towing right it's so heavy uh, but yeah, if you ever crash, it's going to be bad. It's going to, yeah, I mean, you're going to cause a lot of damage. Maybe you're going to be okay. Cause you're just going to mow through, <laughs> you yeah. know, anything that you put in front of it. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're going to definitely cause a lot of damage. And so, and so, you know, the crazy thing about it is that if it was, I remember, uh, you know, 850 horsepower is, it's an insane amount of power. And the thing about it is that I at no point feel like I'm out of control because this, this, this is the best car I've ever owned. Like, literally, right. right? Like, uh, I remember just going to, in fact, when I was doing this TV show for Driver Down Junior, uh, I, they rented a car for me and it was one of these rental companies that have like exotic cars and they gave me like a GT Mustang, you know, mm-hmm. with like a lot of horsepower and stuff. And I remember like going like, oh my God, this is, feels dangerous. Like having this much power in this kind of car because there's so much lag, you know, you step on the accelerator and it literally takes seconds for it to respond, Right. you know? And then you're like, oh, I'm pressing. Oh, all of a sudden you're going. And then once you're going, it's just going. And you're like, oh my God, I got to think about stopping this thing. Where these electric cars are like mine, as soon as I let go of my, the accelerator, it literally starts stopping. So it feels very like you're in very control. And it's instant control. If you let go of that gas in a microsecond, the car reacts to that. It starts stopping in that microsecond, right? Where all the legacy stuff is like, it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a wild thing. It's like riding a, you know, a lion kind of thing. You know, right. you don't you don't know what's going to do. <laughs> well, you think you know, you know. But and you I think that also, control. it also comes down to power to weight ratio too, because the more electric cars, the heavier they are, they've got to have more power to make them feel like they don't, that they're not heavy, right? So, um, what with yeah. with the other? How many electric powered? Do you have more than one electric powered bus, or you have one gasoline powered, one one electric powered? How many Volkswagens do you have? So I, so I currently have four, five buses. I think five buses in different stages. I only have one that's running, and even that one, I need to change the battery because I kind of neglected it. You know, this last winter was really cold and rainy in california for Mm -hmm. some reason like it never rains in california for some reason we had you know two weeks straight where it was raining and it was kind of cold 
So, you know, I have the like the Rivian and I have a Tesla, you know, I have modern cars. And so I kept just kind of like the, the bus was my daily. Like I literally for the past 10 years, I've been daily driving a bus. It's not the same 57. I, you know, I wanted to restore it. So I kind of took all the, the battery and the motor out and put it in another one. And then that was my daily. And then I thought, well, I'll, I'll fix the 57. Now that hasn't happened for some reason. <laughs> You know, restoring a car is so costly and it's so hard to get anyone to do it that it's, I just haven't been able to find. I've been centering and other stuff. My dream is to actually uh, mount a fleet of, of about 10 buses. And I want them to be like the bus that I want to drive, basically lowered, you know, with airbags, uh, one single gear. Like, I don't want to, people to, you know, have to know how to shift gears to be able to drive them. So they're going to be fully automatic. They're going to be able to go fast. They're going to be able to stop fast. Basically make like the modern version of a, of a bus. And I want to make 10 of them. And my dream was to send them to Mali yeah. and rent them. <laughs> right? I don't know if that's going to happen now. I think, uh, you know, that Mali is going to take a long time, I think, to recuperate. I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, it was it, it used to get two and a half million visitors every year i don't think that's gonna be the thing for a while i think it's gonna take a couple years or something so i don't you know i don't know how fast i'm gonna be able to do this but that's the dream that's that's where i'm working towards off right now you know to electrify a whole fleet of them and figure out all the mechanicals i need to figure out power steering i need to figure out power braking i need to figure all this stuff because i want to be able to hand the key or not even a key basically hand the the code or something you know because I, why do we need a key? I guess we could use a key because it's a classic car um, to anyone. Yeah. Whether they know how to drive, you know, classic cars or not, and just be able to drive it like a modern car. And that's quite a bit of a challenge, you know, it's, uh, it's not e- easier. It's easier said than done. Definitely. And so that's, that's what I'm working towards. Now, the other question I have, since you've been messed with uh, electric stuff so, so frequently with automotive, have you looked at any of those electric AC systems to put in a car? Because those don't run off of a of, off of a pump or anything; they're all electric, right? Those air conditioning systems in those cars—they're electric. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't. I know they do work. I know uh, there's a company that we saw at the last uh, BW show that we went to, where they, they're starting to make some kits for buses, right? Um, yeah, it, it's definitely possible. It it would it probably wouldn't be very efficient. The buses are such a giant cabin, right? And they have so many windows, so that to try to cool that thing down in a hot day is literally going to take kilowatts and kilowatts of uh, power to try to cool it down. Now, you might get it to like it's you know where it's reasonable, I guess, or I, I don't know. I think I, I think on my bus, I'm just going to put safaris in all of them and you just open up all the windows. And yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. how I've been driving my bus here in California. You know, like it's quite, it quite works. Actually, there's a, a few days out of the year where the, the, the air is so hot that you're like, I don't know what's worse. Like, you know, just having this all this heat trap in here or, you know, opening them up and having all this hot air just blow through your face, well, you know? But it's only a few days out of the year. Yeah, I think. I'm in Vegas, so that's called summer. But uh, yes, <laughs> that's called summer. So the so if people want to check you out, obviously they go to your website, Jag Thirty Five, your YouTube channel, Jehu Garcia is the YouTube channel. Um, 
what any places you're going to be at coming up or uh any places any of these uh things that you get together with some of these other guys that are doing uh, diy stuff or makers and stuff like that yeah i don't i have one tomorrow but i don't think i don't know how when you're gonna upload this but uh tomorrow there's a open house in san diego that's where ev west is at right in encinitas yeah uh I think it's not Encinitas. It's called something else uh, where they're at. Um, but there's going to be, there's a call. It's a, it's the EV Learning Center. Mm-hmm. And it's a nonprofit organization where some of my friends, including Michael Bream, uh, has put a lot of, you know, resources in there to try to teach the new generation on how to, about electricity and electric converting cars and making DIY firewalls and stuff like that. So they have an open house tomorrow where I'm going to go there and I'm going to show, uh, I'm actually donating a battery for them so they could make a power wall kind of thing with them. Um, so that, that's the only thing that I have. I don't have any long-term I like, think that's coming up. Um, I used to do the, you know, Holly, you know, Holly, the carburetor company. Yes. They actually are getting quite invested in the electrification uh, world. And so they have an event every year. It's called high voltage. Yeah, and I think they just had it. We went the past two years, but we didn't go this year. Uh, we might go next year. Uh, you know, if I have the fleet or the you know any a few of the buses ready by then, I might go and show them up. But I think I try to make some of the local uh, Southern California shows here, like Octo and uh, that sort of stuff. You know, to try to make it there. Uh, especially if I ha- have any of the buses ready, I'm definitely gonna make more an effort to show up there and show them there. Well, I definitely uh, appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and uh, definitely uh, anybody that's out there looking to kind of get a little deeper into this stuff. I mean, Jay, who's the guy, he's the one that's been doing it this whole time. I mean, you're one of the OGs that I know of that's been there. You, Michael Bream. I mean, Bream's been racing. I think he was racing a BMW, electric BMW. I mean, 10, 15 years ago, you know? So, I mean, you guys have been out there yeah. grinding at the uh, EV car thing for a long time, man. So if anybody wants to check out some good content, go check out his his uh, Facebook or um, I'm sorry, his uh, YouTube channel, uh, Jehu Garcia, and his website at jag35.com. And uh, anything else? You what, what's your on Instagram? Your jag35 or Jehu Garcia? Jag35, almost on every other social media. I'm not in all the new TikTok. You know, the kids are doing stuff. I'm just kind of the legacy guy. Yeah, I'm old. <laughs> That's what they call us now, yeah. right? Legacy guys. So, yeah, I'm a legacy guy. You know, I don't, I don't do the new stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm past that my prime now. So I don't, I don't quite understand how the TikToks and the stuff work like that, <laughs> right. Snapchat and all that stuff. <laughs> well, d- d- look, Jehu, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man, and thanks so much for for everything that uh, we got to discuss. And uh, hopefully, listen when you get your bus projects close to being done, man. Let's have you back on and let's talk about some of those and. And let's maybe talk some performance spec on some of those things in, in the upcoming uh, episodes. Yeah, yeah, that's those are going to be awesome. I think uh, I, I want to put two motors in there of the ones that I have. It's not quite as you know as powerful as the Tesla ones, but yeah, definitely over two hundred miles of range. Oh wow! And you know Hawaii is perfect because you know I mean I don't know if you drive a you drive a bus or you drive I a do. Beetle. Yeah, what, I've, got what's a, your I've got a couple buses. So. <laughs> oh, okay. So you know that they like the perfect speed is like 45. Like anything above right. that, you're just like fighting the wind. It just sounds like a hurricane outside, you know. Uh, and so you're going long drives. It's just 
you know, you bump out the radio, you try to do things, right? Um, but you know, Hawaii has this 35 an hour limit throughout the island. So I thought, oh my God, it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect to ship these. But I know the last time that I was there, I'm like, man, what I would give to rent a bus here, you know, to have my bus and just go explore the island yeah, in my man. bus. It's per Listen, it's perfect. And so perfect. I thought like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maui's, I mean, Maui's beautiful, right? And all the, all the uh, uh, waterfalls and stuff, you know, and it, yeah, I'm like, I, this is the perfect place to have a, a fleet of buses and, you know, and they, it, if they're quiet and they're clean, you know, and they're fun, I, I want to say, you know, so that's the dream. I want to retire one day and just manage a, a thing over there. But yeah, as soon as I get them, definitely we'll, uh, maybe we'll have a, a podcast inside of them, <laughs> inside Absolutely. of one of the buses well, or something. Have you ever make it out here to the DBW shows? You, do you ever come out here? I do quite a bit. You've you've seen all my buses, I assure you that. So uh, I'll I'll send you a oh, couple okay. of links on my buses, and uh, and I know that you've uh, you've you've seen my stuff out there. I've been going to Octo and that stuff since probably 2003 is when my first bus debuted. Ooh. You know, so the Bull Run bus oh. is my bus, yeah. and then the uh, uh, I've got the Carbon Cab pickup, and then I also own the the beetle barn limo bus now. So yeah, I've got a, wow. I've got a few of those. So, but yeah, for sure. We'll, uh, All right. we'll keep in touch and hopefully I'll see you at the next Octo. We will definitely. You got it brother. Well, I appreciate that. If you like that podcast, you can go check out uh Jay who down there. He's going to be at Michael Bream's place at EV West. Go meet him or you'll catch up with him at Octo. Tell him you heard him on the podcast and share this podcast with all your friends that you think may have some interest in this particular subject. We've got more podcasts stacked up for you guys. Uh, Doug Jurgers next week with Squeegee's Customs out of Arizona. You might remember that bug that was on the cover of uh, 1991 Hot BWs where it was a uh, raspberry and pink bug that splash graphics across the bottom. He's one of the top custom rod builders out of Arizona. Constantly in the battle and running for the AMBR awards. So check him out next week on Let's Talk Dubs. And again, you want to support the podcast, pick up some merch at letstalkdubs.com. And don't forget to go get your room situated and get everything handled for one crazy weekend coming up October 6th and 7th. And until next week, guys, later. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen.